And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com. Big event coming up downtown. Bearcats, Dayton, Heritage Bank Arena. You know the perfect place to pregame, to get ready, to enjoy a a few beverages as you pregame and get ready to watch the Bearcats and the Flyers. None other than our good friends at the Holy Grail. Head on down. And uh, get yourself a little pregame meal, have a couple Cincy Lights, and uh, make a night of it downtown as you get ready to watch UC and Dayton uh, go go to battle uh, in a, just a beautiful, beautiful arena uh, down on the banks. Um, <laughs> let's get to it. We have uh, we have a lot to get to, David. A lot to get to. There is a lot going on uh, around campus uh, and in the Linder Center. Um, the Bearcat basketball team with an overtime victory last night. We will get to that here in just a few moments. Uh, the transfer portal. I, I, I've got to know before we even get to the transfer portal, David. I got to. I got to. I've been wondering something. Yes. NFL draft transfer portal. Oh, draft for sure. But it feels like the transfer portal might be closing some ground. Dave loves himself some transfer portal. There's that's more of just for like the uh, the sleuthing, if you will. Right. There's still like just there's there's not enough info out like out there to like build thoughts about the portal. Like it's interesting just from the standpoint of like how many dudes are going to go in and who get who jumps in, but like it'll never it'll never compare to, for me to like all the buildup of of the draft and 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 that whole spectacle. I mean, like a quarter of college football is going to be in the transfer portal. A quarter be, of the players. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> Every team is going to have at least twenty guys in the transfer portal, there's and that gonna, is a quarter of the sport. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> If you had to guess a number, like of like what percentage of active rosters are in the transfer portal, what would you guess? Like 17%, 16%, Yeah, I mean, I'd say somewhere in like 10 to 15 range. I'd say, you know, because of course you're going to have your outliers, crazy numbers because of coaching changes, but then you'll have like, you know, you'll have some that have less than 10 Probably, I mean, but even anymore, like it's it's hard to you can get to ten real quick, even on a really good team. Like guys, just yeah, aren't the bottom aren't, of your roster leagues aren't playing right. That's so, what I'm saying. I would guess higher. Fourteen point three percent of of college football will be in the transfer portal. That's my guess. <laughs> it's a lot. Either way, it's yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild bumpy ride because like you said the good players aren't even in yet like the players from the good teams haven't even no i put that on the board yesterday it's like there's been there's probably you know 24 7 tries to keep up with it as quickly as possible but i mean this is it's just it's not even official i mean there's probably a couple hundred that are on that list right now maybe 100 to 200 and that's just 
that's a lot of grad transfers. And then, uh, you know, guys that have, have already said they're going to, but I mean, you know, there's not been one player, I guess Georgia had one player, but he was suspended earlier in the year. Yeah, so he, wasn't, was, he wasn't really on the team, right? I mean, you have Michigan, Iowa, Ohio, or not Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma State, Texas, Oregon, Washington, uh, Florida State, Louisville. No, no one from those teams even yet. Yeah. And then, you know, your Ohio State, your, you know, some from Notre Dame started trickling in, some from Florida. Um, you know, I saw one from LSU. I mean, there's a lot, a lot still to happen. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let, let's just do, let's just peel it. We'll do the portal now. Okay, fine. Uh, we'll get to bat. Like we did, we did an hour on bat, like an hour and a half on basketball last night with Keegan. We're, we're, there's plenty to talk about, but this is. I do, the have, hot I do topic. have one legitimate question about the game, and then, uh, I of course I have some thoughts on that Emmy award-winning uh, production. That yeah, is, there's going to be plenty of basketball talk, but <laughs> the portal is hot. Like let's let's get to it. What we will make this uh, for right now. Um, the team ticker portal tracker, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of portal information. Yeah. Like if guys, if guys commit, does that come across? Like I would hope so. I mean, we've had some football commits recently. Did that, I don't know. Did that like, I don't know. Did it say, you know, quarterback Zeb Kinley from Toronto, Ohio, Commits to Cincinnati. Did you did you see Eric today? Waddell put up yes. the, the commitment that he was from Canada. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> I've lived here my entire life, and I had to look up where Toronto, Ohio was. What what what's the the current promo for Team Ticker? I know it was. I'm getting Black ready Friday. to read it. I'm getting ready to read it right now, Aaron. Uh. It is still $50 off using code Black Friday, all caps. That ends at midnight tomorrow night, 1130. So uh, uh, tomorrow, Thursday at midnight, the sale ends for Black Friday, um, $50 off. There you see it. What a, what a deal. Uh, it is. It's a local company started by two UC alumni. They uh, they hang with the provided hanging kit. It's a high-tech-looking high retro display. Free daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, and more. They are officially licensed through the Collegiate Licensing Company and manufactured here in Ohio. TeamTicker.com. At checkout, code BLACKFRIDAY, one word, all caps. Boom. If you've got... You know, a, a college student with a dorm room, it's great for that. A man cave. Uh, if you just have like a a TV room where you guys, your family watches sports. Um, great for all of those occasions. A bar. If you're on a bar, get yourself a team ticker, throw it up on the wall. So there you go. Teamticker.com uh, code Black Friday. And and let's get into the portal. Let's Let's go ahead and get this out of the way, Dave. 
Brian mm -hmm. says, speaking of transfer portal, considering coaches apparently run off two of the most talented defensive players, should we assume the staff is confident they're in on some quality dudes? Look. Uh, I'm not going to assume anything in the transfer portal right. <laughs> era of college football. <laughs> I'll start there. Here's the thing. This was not about the on-the-field production of Brian Threats and uh, Deshaun Pace. This was about all the other things that, that are in and around being on a team. So I don't think they care. I think they looked at the situation and said, this, this can't happen the, again next year if we want to be successful. So they're moving in a different direction. Uh, I think that is uh, mutually exclusive as to what's going to happen in the portal. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I have little doubt that it was a, these decisions were very hard. I mean, you're, you're two leading tacklers from right. your defense, and we know how the portal works. Uh, the likelihood that you're going to just one-for-one one replace them is is probably not better than 50-50, let's be honest. From a production talent standpoint, like veterans, do you know, all of the things. But at the same time, like you had a very rough season. You it is incumbent upon you, air, you know, quotation staff, Scott Satterfield. Right to right the ship as quickly as possible. Yep. And sometimes those decisions are very hard to make. But, you know, you had an instant, you know, I was not at practices. I, I'm only hearing things second and third hand. But I see games. I see what happens. I see... You know, Brian Threats gets whether it was the right call or not, he's ejected for, for bumping an official. Deshaun Pace is suspended for a game. Guys get suspended all the time. I mean, and he and I think he actually played better football at times after that suspension. Um, I agree. But if you're trying to I'm, I don't. I'm, I don't want to use the word culture because I. I hate that so much. It's so cliche. <laughs> but if you're trying to build a foundation of success and a foundation of improvement, you need every player, whether it's the try-hard walk-on or the first-team all-conference guy, pulling in the same direction. And I think it is natural that when a coaching staff changes, and, and these cases I think are a little bit different also. A lot of people want to compare like Luke Fickle's first year and everybody jumping on board. Well, Luke Fickle took over for a terrible situation. So everybody is much more eager to jump on board of this new energy right i mean i feel right. like that's a pretty a pretty realistic thing to say scott satterfield took over from a very good situation when a coach just left to pursue another opportunity 
And I think it's natural that you can have guys that were part of that previous regime who it could be more difficult for them to, you know, go your way. And it also becomes more difficult when things aren't going well. Because doubt creeps into your like doubt creeps into your mind, and these things are all natural. But it is also the coach's responsibility to say, "Okay, this was a one-year thing." The whole like you were his player, now you're like you're a Bearcat. I'm the Bearcat coach. We're either going all, this direction, everybody together, or you know, I got to make some decisions, and if and even if that means that some of our better players aren't part of it, then some of our better players aren't part of it. Yeah. I mean, guess what? You went three and nine. Your better players weren't good enough either. Right. <laughs> like that's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough reality to like accept, but could you imagine what people would be like if they just ran it back? Everybody's back next year. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, you know, right. And I, I don't love the portal. Um, I mean, I, I love that players have agency now. Like they, they just, they, they have all. I've never understood it. How, as a regular student, I could transfer to all these different schools, and yes, some of my credits might not transfer over, but it's been, but I'm not penalized uh, an earning opportunity or or whatever. So I am 100% in favor of players having agency. I don't think there should be any waivers. I think you should be able to come and go. If you want to go somewhere and someone wants to take you, you I think you should be able to go to one school one semester, another school another. Like, I don't care. It's That's how life works. You can change jobs as much as you want. You can change colleges as much as you like. I don't get it. But right. if you're if you're going to be on board with player agency, then you also have to be on board with coaches agency in that, okay, yeah, you can leave. And I can also, you know, form the roster the way that I deem fit. Tell you to get out. Right. For whatever I'm not, I'm not going to get caught, you know, trying to constantly keep guys and then, then just go, nope, I'm out of here after I've worked hard to keep them and then I don't have opportunities to replace them with what I think are equal or better talented players. So for all the guys, like I'm cool with guys moving around, do whatever you need to do. But I'm also cool when coaches are like, Hey, my job's on the line. I'm the one making all the dollars. If, if I don't think you're good enough, then, then I'm sorry. Like that's, that's the way it goes. If you can leave, then I can do, I can, if you can leave to, protect yourself and do what's best for you, then I can do the same for myself. Exactly. That's business, right? That's what it's become. That's what, <clears throat> that's the, the you know, it's, it's, it's a version of professional sports. It's a different version because there's no unions and all the things that, that go with being a professional sports league. But uh, all of the, almost all of the things that make professional sports, professional sports apply to college now. So, Adjust accordingly. Um, am I? And look, I, yes, Shaman is a big loss. Yes, uh, Miles Montgomery is a big loss. Uh, yes, 
losing pace and threats means you have to find guys Ta- I mean, to uh, ta- losing talented players under any circumstance is never a good thing. Like just because right. we said when they still went three and nine, there still were there still are good players or players that we feel can become even better players within that three and nine. But when you go three and nine, it also amplifies the issues. Like you're, I guarantee there were issues that Luke Fickle was more willing to, to deal with when you're going 11 because and they two were 11 of, yeah. <laughs> versus right. issues that Scott Satterfield's willing to deal with now that he's in year one going three and nine. And he's like, I've got to, to get this going. I don't care if this person ran for this many yards or this person caught this many passes. If they are a drag on my team, I can't have them around because I it is up to me to turn this to not have a repeat of what we just saw. Right. And and you get there however you see fit and maybe it's maybe they don't it's not the right decision. Maybe they're we're revisiting and saying in you know 12 months from now they made these decisions they didn't work out that's right. that's how and, this works and i think you only get to use the depth card once because if you're going to tell guys they're not good enough and then you don't replace them you, you can't sit there next year and be 2 and 5 and tell me that you don't have any depth at certain positions i'll be like well you ran like you told how many guys that they weren't good enough, and then you didn't replace them with talent slash depth. So that's that's on you. Like, I don't I don't want to hear that stuff next year. I mean, there's still an element of development to it that that has to happen. But, but I get what you're but saying. That's on. But I get what you're saying. On them, to, like that's on development is a two way street. It's not always the like the whole this guy's a draft bust. It's not always just on the player. Maybe they had bad coaching, and a lot of times they have. But yes, I mean, there's development, but like, if, you know, if you're going to say that, you know, our defensive ends did not produce enough, so I've got to get better defensive ends. And then we turn around next year and we're in the same situation. I'm going to go, well, one, how good of a talent evaluator are you? Because the guys you brought in weren't any better than the guys that you said weren't good enough. And then how good of a developer are you? Because you you thought these guys would be good and they're not. And you took, maybe you took guys that were younger and you thought you could get more out of them and that hasn't happened. So either you're bad at evaluating the talent, you're bad at developing the talent or both. Right. Um. Let's see. Uh, any update on Kiner after the tweet? There's nothing to update. He sent a tweet. <laughs> if there was reason to be alarmed, I I assure you, I would let you know there's reason to be alarmed. Um, I, I don't buy this, Jason. Deshaun's been so talented his entire life. He barely matured since grade school. Most of these guys have been so talented their entire life. It might not be all. There's going to be some late developers in there. But guys that are, you know, 6'4 and athletic just weren't unathletic when they were seven, eight years old. Like that's that's not how it works. Like I I think that's I think it's just a bad excuse. Like, I don't like it. Would would you agree with that? Like 
all these other a bunch of other guys have had a chance to mature since grade school. You don't just get to say, "Well, I was pretty good." Like, uh, you know, that's how you end up selling shoes uh, on a sitcom talking about the four touchdowns you scored in high school. <laughs> all right, Ed Bundy. Al Bundy. <laughs> Al Bundy. Ed Bundy. Ed O'Neill. Right? Ed O'Neill. Yes. Yeah. But you get my point. Like, I, I don't. I don't like that. Um, how's the roster math working? So they needed eight or nine guys to leave just to bring in the freshman class. Which I think still is not. I mean, they had 22 commits. I'm, I think there is, there will be an effort to add to that. I wouldn't expect a big, you know, some signing, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we see like a bunch of high school visits and and they're looking to add five to ten more high schoolers. Well, they already but, have 22. Right. So, I mean, I, I think, so, though, you know, maybe a couple more, but. Right. I wouldn't yeah. say that I guarantee anything. I would say they'll have their eye on it. Yeah. And if something jumps up, then, then they might grab that. Um, but, yeah, so they're not. The small class from last year doesn't really have any any effect on anything um, other than it might have caused them to, to need to shed even more weight to get to where they are. I think what people forget is that the one thing that Luke Fickle did bring was a massive amount of stability. Uh, and And guys didn't leave for a long time. Right. So there's still, even with the number that left last year, there's still a large number of, like a concentrated number of dudes that came in uh, under Luke Fickle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you're you're looking at, you know, I'm going to guess when it's all said and done, when you, when you get into the summer to – Probably somewhere in like fifteen to twenty transfers. I know, I know Scott has thrown this like they 12, insist twelve, 12 to, to fifteen. 12. Yeah, I just think I keep hearing that number, Dave. Yeah. Well, and it depends on depends on who you get too. Yeah, and also depends on like that's what you're anticipating in terms of what the exits and deport deport departures and all that looks like. What if there's four guys you didn't expect? Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you got four extra in your pocket and what was 13 or 14 ends up 17 or 18. So it's, it, we, we talk about this, how many years have we talked about this every year that we've done this? It's, it's fluid. <laughs> it's yeah. very fluid. And it's even, I mean, it is a little bit easier now because it's, you can do, you can do the one for one. Um, yeah, there's no 25 or no, like limit no, on what you can no bring limit in. limit on class sizes anymore. Right. Um, so it makes the counting exercise a little bit easier, but you still, I mean, the principle still, still applies. Right. You know, I mean, guys can get medically disqualified that you didn't know that was going to, I mean, so many things that we are not. You know, who's on scholarship, who's not, who gets added to scholarship that wasn't, that we had no idea about, you know, 
What happens when you get to the spring and five different new guys that you didn't expect uh, don't like their spot and jump in? Now, all of a sudden, you got five more to play with in the spring. So your 14-person transfer portal class in the winter is now 19. Fluid. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, Dave, without the 25, it's even more fluid. At least with the 25, we knew there's a number. Yeah. And it's not going past that number. Um, now, as Dion has taught us, it could be 70. <laughs> well, I don't think that worked out. And then 30 as well. of them leave after the first year. Yeah, I don't think that worked out as well as he had hoped. Notice but. no NFL team does that. They just they just dump everybody and and just go into free agency and we're going to sign our whole team out of the, the free agent portal. Mm-hmm. Oh, teams used to, they have, and then they would, you know, it was always the joke that they won, they won uh, March and then didn't yeah. win any in September, October, November. The Browns were notorious for that. And the Redskins were notorious for that. Yeah, but that wasn't redoing whole teams. That was just going out and spending bad money on free agents right. that other teams like top of the free agent market. Yeah, you know what I mean? you, the difference is you got guys under multi-year contracts, so it's it's not really yeah. possible. You could line it up uh, if you were smart be, enough. It'd be pretty hard. It would, but like because you're drafting players, so there's impossible. Like every year, you're drafting guys; they're never going to line up with. You know. Well, you end up okay. So you end up with like eight guys on your roster that you didn't line up perfectly. <laughs> uh, but that's what I'm saying. They don't do that because it's dumb. To try to do that. Yeah. And they tried it. And uh, it worked for like a month. Good for them. Yep. So, but no, we, um, you know, there's, you know, there's some some early names on the board. Um, yeah. Oh, I was good. The point I was getting to. I don't like losing Case and Pfeiffer, Dave. No. You know, I like Casey Pfeiffer because we've never once heard his name in, in all the years he long snapped. He's he's a very good long snapper. Uh, he looks like a Bond villain, so I like I always like that. <laughs> uh, since I'm a big Bond Bond guy. But, yeah, I mean. The snaps were always on point, punt and kick, like right where they needed to be. And on punt team, I mean, he got down the field. Like, he was a, one of their leading tacklers on punt. Well, we there was a, somebody, that, somebody that covers or, you know, watches special teams closely had a tweet recently that about him and just think he was in the very high end of of like special teams tackles in the big 12 also in the country just yeah i mean i would i would anticipate uh him going pretty much wherever he wants to I mean, anybody that needs a long snapper, he is going to be at the top of their list. I don't I mean, I don't even think it's anyone anyway. that needs a long snapper. It's anybody that wants a great long snapper. Yeah, but I mean, if you're, you know, if you're if you're set at long snapper, you're not looking in the portal for long snapper. If there's any question about, like, do we need to upgrade our long snapper? You're looking at him. Um, guess he goes back home to Ohio State. <sighs> I I, okay. I do not know the the special teams uh, depth charts of of many many other teams. So I, but uh, 
Who's Who's our our backup long snapper? This is interesting. Darren Simmons' son, Weston Simmons, the Bengals special teams coordinator. His son is, I guess, now the new long snapper. (laughs) How long do you think that kid's been long snapping? Um, probably about as long as you could physically snap a football. Under if you get if the football goes beneath your leg. I mean, his dad was a quarterback in college. Yeah. Uh, but he has been a, a I mean, he's been with the Bengals since Marvin Lewis was hired. Uh, right. So when this, so when this kid was a toddler, he got here. I don't even know if he would have been born yet. Yeah, that's a long ass time ago. Yeah. I mean, he's Martin probably Lewis, 19. Martin Lewis's 18, first 19. year was 2001, I think. Yeah, 22 so, years ago. Yeah, I don't think he would have even been born yet because I think he's a freshman or a sophomore. Yeah. Here, I can so, tell you. I have my roster right here. He is a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> Thrifty Walrus said, if I was ever going to trust anyone to long snap without having ever seen it, Darren Simmons' son is number one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we fully agree with you, brother. Fully. Uh, real quick, what has to happen to get basketball games on mainstream television? Win. <laughs> Big 12 Win. Big 12 games start. Yeah, but, I mean, most of them are still going to be ESPN. Yeah. Or a good chunk of them are still going to be ESPN+. Plus. You know who ends up on ESPN all the time? The teams good that team. win a bunch. Yeah. Uh that's how quickly losing can change a locker room. What the long snapper leaves? No, I just okay. think maybe it just means I know. like I know, but it just that's what we were talking about. Like, yeah, it's losing's not good for anybody. It doesn't do anybody any good. For sure. Um go ahead with your your names that you were uh oh, I don't looking know. You, at. I mean, do we do we need should we say them or just tell people to go read them. <laughs> uh, I mean, go read them uh, for sure. You don't have to give like all of the exact ones. Uh, how about the names that uh, outside of those names that are on the board uh, in terms of who we have a pretty good feel that UC is looking at? I mean, I, what I I think Indiana transfer being court. realistic. Well, we don't have to, we don't have to talk about that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> if like being realistic when you're looking at names pop in the portal that, that we haven't seen you see like directly connected with already or I mean, I, heard I'm of look, it. I'm looking at, I mean, kind of, yeah, not every, I mean, they, they could obviously use players in every position. Let's not be, let's not kid ourselves. But I think, I mean, center main, and guard, center and guard, you probably think, feel good. I think interior offensive line, you know, unless there's, Someone that is, you know, that is good, that is also, you know, dying to, to play for the Bearcats. I think outside of that situation, probably not looking to add there. Um, yeah. Personally, I would like to see them try to add at the tackle position. Um, I know at least one. I know fairly late into the season, uh, DeAndre Buford was. The second lowest graded tackle in the Big Twelve, uh, and he and his—I forget the the lowest graded or something—had 
way less snaps or something. Like he just did not have a very good year. I think they could they could certainly improve in that area. From what I am seeing, there is in activity there. Again, it's very early. Like right. we we are in the hey, I'm Coach Nick Cardwell. Um you know, I'm the offensive line coach at Cincinnati. Would you like to have a con like we are very I know there's a bunch of guys, you know, various positions that are getting, you know, putting on Twitter that they're getting offers. I'm not as interested as that. I think sometimes you know, obviously you want to give, you know, a guy's gonna have to get an offer, but I'd rather have the conversation, uh, like a, a legitimate conversation with them first before I'm sure. just like, hey, I saw you, I watched your tape for, for 10 minutes, and uh, here's an offer. Like, you know, that's to me, that feels more of like a, hey, we're out here, we're being active thing than a, it doesn't, I don't take that as making a player any more serious as an op- option than, than not seeing it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, Philip Wilder appears primed to come back. I know he worked in at both tackle spots at times. You know, I don't know if he's, if, if it's a better opportunity for him. I don't know if there's an opportunity. John Williams doesn't strike me as a right tackle. I mean, if you wanted to move some guys around, he doesn't strike me as that more like physically mauling right tackle presence, but I mean, in the past game that, you know, I actually noticed him in the past game more than I noticed Buford. Maybe Buford was just kind of consistently not very good. And so, you know, um, Ethan Green, we'll see, Um, you know. It's going to be a huge off season. I'm sure he's going to, you know, if they don't add anybody or if they add – one person, depending on that person's skill level and experience, like, yeah, I would think the spring is going to be, hey, Ethan, you know, go, if you want the job, go, go prove it, go win it. Right. Um, Ev, you know, Burrow, Owen, what ask Evan T, he's a guard. Um, so and they I have, think, they have very, 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 very high hopes for Evan. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he was, I thought he was, there's always a guy that I try to find in each recruiting class that I think is criminally underrated. And, you know, based on conversations I had with people that coached defensive line against him in high school, um, you know, that helped, helped base my opinion. Like I also have been, you know, this, the people yeah. that are on our board a lot, like I have been very high on him. So uh, you know, we'll see what, you know, he's got some much older veteran guys in front of him, but that doesn't mean that you can't work, work your way in there and, and prove that, that you deserve some, some reps. So, I mean, offensively, obviously running back, you know, Miles Montgomery's in the portal, Stephen Bird's in the portal, Ryan, yeah. Ryan Montgomery has exhausted his eligibility. Um, there's I don't can Ethan Wright play running back. I like, mean, I can Ethan Wright just play football without I mean yeah. his body I just feel like is is at a point where you know 
it's it's going to be tough for him to to be counted on to do much of anything. So certainly running back is is something that they're looking at. Um, Wide receiver, tight end. There's a, a, a running back from Iowa State that I feel like they are that they are after that I think would fit into kind of that secondary role. Um, and then wide receiver, for sure. One, because, you know, several players have aren't going to be here anymore. And two, like, outside of Xavier Henderson and Braden Smith, we didn't really get a lot from the wide receivers. So it's not just a we have to replace guys because they graduated. It's like we need to get better, period. Right. So I think there's there's definitely interest there. And then, like, depending on what's out there, I mean, I, I think tight end, too. Um, I mean, you know. Peyton Singletary and uh, Joey Belgian. Um, and then I, I do know they like the two guys they have coming in. I do, too. Um, I, mean, I, I like them a lot. But, I mean, what are you, what are you really expecting to get out of two true freshmen? Um, you know, one that is more of an inline guy. I think that would take even more time because of the the, the block. Actually, I've heard they think maybe he might be like ready to go because of the of the physical the physicality of because it. Because he's everything. just physical. Yeah, he's a big, just... he's a big put together dude. So yeah. Um, but you still you can say that right now. It's another sure thing until, it, until it yeah. gets here. I think they like looking at his tape and. In like projecting him forward, yeah. I mean, I, I don't uh, think that that's a position where you're like, we got to go out and get a difference maker. I think they just need like a solid, almost yeah. like what they thought they were getting with Joey Belgian. Yeah, like you know, we need another, we need another guy that can can be counted on and and be reliable. Um, defensively, I mean, how like, and this is the rough part about it. It's probably the scarcest position, maybe even more scarce than tackle, is defensive end. Like, where? Yeah. where and guess is- what? It's real hard to find pass rushers in the portal. Well, I mean, if you're if you can get to the damn quarterback and you're in the portal, like, I mean, the kid from Albany, Jared Verse, went to Florida State. Wow. He's he's going to end up. But I'm like, that's what I mean. Like, if you can get to the quarterback in any sense. Right, at any like, level, at any level. Even if you have the traits that they look for to get to the quarterback, like someone's going to be like, you know, this guy has the height, weight, speed, arm length that we're looking for. You know, maybe he's only a sophomore. Like, yeah, we'll we'll take our chance on him because of the traits. Right. Like, they need several, and that's a really, really hard position to get. I know that there's been you know what i would again call introductory conversations with some some that have produced i wouldn't say conversations but well you know what i mean like tr- no they're not allowed to have con- around like, not allowed to I, have conversations I, but right no conversations uh, are happening not technically in the portal yet <laughs> so no conversations like, are well, actually that's not true if they are grad transfer then they can't have conversations Those conversations can happen yes they could actually visit nope. this they could actually visit this weekend uh, i don't yeah. believe they're going to have any visitors but if you're a grad transfer or a juco player you could technically uh visit this weekend linebacker i mean 
it's a, I think they like what they have, and I like what they have, but it's not a position I'm not going to pay any attention to. And then defensive back, for sure. Safeties, again, is kind of like DNs. It's very, very hard. And that's the threats thing. Like, And I think there – I don't know if he was just – you know, there was some poor, poor play put on tape at the end of the year outside of some of maybe the other stuff that was going on. But again, on on a guy that didn't have a like he had some issues on tape that weren't the issues he had towards the end of the season. How about that? Yeah. Um, but again, it's still very hard to 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 find that in the portal. Uh, Pickle so, is back on her game. Like Pickle, she Pickle is, she's she's been active you, lately. You know what it is, Dave? Maybe it's winter. Like um, in the I, summer, uh, she was like, I'm not messing with you guys. And yeah, now that the weather has gotten cold again, she's back on the <laughs> air all the time. Uh, but yeah, corners, safeties, find them. Do they have five, six? Do they have ball? Like, do they have ball production? Have they put on tape that they can take the ball away? Because every like here, here's kind of my thing with college DBs anymore. Unless you're elite of the elite. Everybody is going to get beat the way yeah. that college offenses are now. But can yeah. you take the ball away? Like, I will live with you giving up some plays if you can turn around and get me three, four interceptions. Or, you know, more obviously would be better, but, like, let's be real. Like, right. College, right, college, right. college corners don't pick off a ton of passes. But like, if, if you, you can, get five, you've had like a monster. You're, you're in the top five of yeah. the of the country. Um, but can, yeah, can I? Can yes? Is it great to have a sauce gardener? Of course, I would never say I don't want a, a guy that I don't have to worry about half the field for. Right. But this team, like in the Big Twelve, I will live with you getting beat if you can take the ball away. And this team just did not do that near enough. And so again, no sacks, no turnovers was like a theme throughout the entire Big 12 campaign. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at guys when they go in the portal and I go look at their stats, like how many interceptions do they have this year? I don't it doesn't tell me how many touchdowns they gave up. It didn't tell me what the the passer rating was when they were targeted. So I, I mean, I don't know those things, but if you picked off some passes, like I'm interested. I'm, then I'm going to watch more and be like, were you picking off passes because you were catching were, arm punts? They were arm punts <laughs> or balls were tipped or were you actually like making plays? Like there's a kid from Western Kentucky that's a safety that I would assume that Zach Grant has a relationship with that he showed me that like he can go make a play. He can cover some ground, go intercept the ball. So that's that's what I'm looking for with corners and safeties. Um, how many in freshmen will enroll early? Like half is kind of the number that's that what we've, we've heard. Been kind of told, yeah, 10, 11, 12, something like that. Uh, so a pretty good number, pretty good number. How about Dante coming back? Massive, oh. you get Dante back, uh, you get Mason Fletcher back. I think if you get Luke Kandra back. And you get Corey Kiner back. I think you look at that as like maybe you're 
the core of things going into this process, right? Mm-hmm. Hypothetically speaking, like if those four guys all indicate that they're back and and ready to go, now you you hopefully you have a leadership core that you can build around. You have guys that are you know all conference players, all American type players. Um, you know, I think that's a uh, that's a good start. If you know, if that's how it plays out as we we go through this thing, but. Dante coming back and, and explicitly stating, I trust this coaching staff. Like, I think they're going to get yeah. it right. I mean, we're talking about edge rushers. You at least know, like, you're not going to be Bullied. a problem up the middle. Yeah. And we can, you know, obviously you need more guys to step up. And, you know, Dante's not playing 80 snaps, 70 snaps a game. So there's got to be some other guys that that work their way in there as well. But, you know, you, we need – I mean, I think we saw for as, as productive as they, they've been and as just good damn Bearcats as they've been, you're not getting you're not getting it done in the Big 12 with power guys on the edge. It's just not no. – it's not happening. You need speed without question. So, yeah, it's – you know, so it's it's a different – it's a different philosophy maybe from, you know, and it's, and it's a move, you know, you know, it's a different philosophy in recruiting. It's a different philosophy in development. You know, I think this, I think we've mentioned this before, like this, this staff and this recruiting department is, I feel like more, more NFL part, you know, obviously because Jack spent some time with the jets, like they're more interested in the, the measure, the measurables, the the cutoffs, the thresholds, right. then the not. I don't want to call them tryhard guys, but like the you know this guy is is a five eleven, two hundred and ten pound linebacker, but he but he's all over the like. You just don't see a lot of those in being uber successful at this level. It worked tremendously in the AAC. But week in, week out, I don't I just don't think you're gonna get by with six two ends that are, you know, two forty or, or yeah. the opposite that are bigger and they're more power, like setting the edge against the run. Like you gotta be able to get to the quarterback more. And you're not it's okay not, to it's okay to have a like a mix of those guys, Dave. Yeah, you have a strong side defense event that set plays it up across from the tight right. end and tackle more. They times can't than they not. can't they can't play both, like it can't be both. It can't be the same type. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh good luck finding them in the portal, brother. Yeah. But good luck finding them in the portal. Yeah. So that's that's part of why Dante, because of his presence, can like take a guy that's maybe not, you know, my Jay Sanders, but but help him be effective if he has the ability, the natural ability to get after the quarterback. Yeah, and if Dante, you know, he even mentioned it, improves on his pass rush. I mean, pass rush up the middle is the best place to get it from. Sure. Theoretically, the quarterback bails out into one of your defensive ends. Um, You know, it's much easier to see the end coming and just run away from him or run 
to where he was because that space is now vacated then to see a 320 pound dude you know four feet from you uh you know it's much harder to to get out from that yeah uh pickle decided not to transfer and uh she's back and fully committed to the program i i do like the level of commitment we're getting from pickle lately (laughs) yeah i like it i'm a fan uh no you got any uh portal stuff you want to get to anything else i do have i do have this and it's just interesting to me because you know, and and I think this is something I want to talk to Zach about when he whenever he does join us. But just looking at kind of like the calendar from last year and now this year, and, and how big of a difference I'm hoping that it makes. So if you if you because if you look back to last year, the the final game two lane loss happened Friday, November twenty seventh or twenty fifth. Then Sunday, November 27th, Fickle left, which is like in this year would have been three days ago. So all the stuff they've been doing this whole season, you know, all their scouting and and talking to any sources and 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 things of that nature, like that, they've all been doing that for, for the whole year. Then you know, eight days later, Monday, December 5th, Coach Satterfield is hired. So in that gap, which is this week right now, when we're when we have a board that's got tons of portal information on it, and guys we think they're interested in, possibly gonna be interested in, like none of that was happening last year at that time. So he comes in the same day the portal opens. I believe at that point, Carter Wilson came with him from Louisville, was the only um, recruiting person that came with him at that time. And so he's kind of doing everything. So then December 21st is early signing day. So three weeks, essentially, two weeks, you know, a little over two weeks, really of some coaches you're putting your staff together and then not really anybody in your recruiting department no certainly not a full-fledged group attacking it the day after early signing day zach grant is brought on so december 22nd so we are basically totally past most visits for transfers and we're done with the last year's class and when he comes on six days later December 28th Cass Simmons is brought on and then Jack comes on January 2nd basically the time the next semester starts yeah so that is why I'm hopeful in that these guys this is what they were brought in to do Zach has a track record at Western Kentucky in you want to call it flipping the roster you want to call it whatever you know call it whatever you want to call it they did a major overhaul and became successful quickly while he was there 
Um, and so they have had. Now they've had the time to do that, and they're not. They're not behind the eight ball. They're not. All the coaches are on hand. All the recruiters are on hand. Like theoretically, that should yield itself to a more streamlined approach, a better yes. understanding of what we need, uh, yes, a better understanding of like I think they are in conversations that you, me, Keegan, you've had, he's had they. I think they are much more cognizant of another thing where before it's just a lot harder when you're trying to build a roster that you, that you hope can be competitive is that now they are more cognizant. They know what of, they need. Well, and the whole like injury we've, we've heard about, we're not really going to mess with anybody that has a, a significant injury history. Uh, the, the whole like, character report not that it wasn't important before but i feel like it's from what i understand it's much more important now right and and there's just more time to find those answers out and not saying that any of the guys that they brought in from the portal aspect of it didn't meet those same criteria didn't fulfill things but like you just have a lot more time basically and you have a plan in place and you have a, a much, much different understanding of of where your your significant holes are, where your holes are, you know, what we could probably get by if we absolutely had to. You know, you have a much bigger freshman class. You have a better idea of if those guys are actually going to, you know, you, you probably you might not have much of an idea, but you have a little bit of an idea potentially of if the, any of those guys could help next year type of situation so yeah you know let, let's see it i mean you got the biggest staff pool salary pool in program history you brought in guys with significant bona fides like these aren't dudes doing this for the first time but you know you still gotta just like with recruiting like you still gotta like high school recruiting you still gotta close the deal so let's let's see how that goes. But you know, it's just interesting to kind of look back on the calendar and be like, yeah, the week right now, the, all this stuff we just talked about, there was really no one here to do any of the legwork last year. Right, and the guy that was was uh, like, I I think Carter does a great job, but he wasn't like he wasn't Zach Grant. He wasn't a GM of football operations like. He's an important piece of the machine, but he's he's not the steering wheel. I guess is a good way to put it. Right. And no one no one could really be by you know in this day and age right be by themselves and think that they're gonna you know do all the things he was being asked to do at that point. Four four guys, and I think actually more. I mean, you have a couple ladies that are on on the recruiting staff. You have those four guys, and then you have you know. Probably four, other, five, six other guys that are are doing other stuff too. I mean, they have a and then an army of interns, legitimate team that right now. Yeah. So yes. let's let's see how all of that goes and how having that year to to get your vision and your plan and and who's going to do what and you know to me it seems like and I'm sure they all do a little bit but like 
Jack seems to be big in the transfer portal. Cass seems to be big on the high school relationship side of it. Um, and then Zach, I think, oversees all of it. Yes, I think that's fair. And then there are guys independently that work with Cass, with Jack. Like, it all it, – it's, it's a nice pyramid. It's not a scheme, but they've developed a pyramid that is necessary <laughs> – like there has to be a split, Dave. I don't. I don't think in this day and age, you can go through this without a guy that specializes in transfer portal or like has a good feel for transfer portal. Um, I don't think that can be the same guy. I don't think your high school guy can be your portal guy. No, because your 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 high school guy is he's looking at the roster differently than the transfer portal guy is. Yes. You know, the transfer portal guy is looking at positions like, do we need someone that's ready to walk in and start at this position? But then I need, I'd like, I would prefer to have a guy that we can develop at this position. And I wonder, this was something I wanted to talk with you about. I wonder as the portal evolves and we get into it more and more, does the does the idea of being more on the younger guys and less on the one year guys take hold or there's or is it positional and and just very roster specific because I, I, I think it's roster like... specific I think it's a lot of times Dave you know what it is it's what you can get like right you might want a multi-year guy but if the best guy you can get is a one-year guy and you need a starter at that spot, well, then you're probably going to go get the, like, I know what the, what the want was, but the need might be different than the want, like, as it, as it evolves, right? Because that's the part that, that only they know. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we want this three-year guy, but it's going to be a battle between us and, you know, an SEC school and a and an ACC school, or another Big Twelve school, and we know we can go get this this guy that we think is probably the same or a little better, or a little bit more ready to be a day one starter. Um, now you now you make the decision: Are you going to take the the easy answer? And I don't want to say easy answer to to denigrate the fact that it's a one year guy, but if your plan is multi-year guys uh, is kind of what I'm saying, then you got to make the call. Are we, are we yeah. going to back also off? It has to do with like, what, where are you at in your, in your coaching tenure? Like, do you need to, sure. you, you need to win right damn now. Right. <laughs> and I don't have time to take some red shirt sophomores and hope they're, they're good in a, in a couple of years. Right. But anyway. I do think they would like for it to be uh, multi-year guys. Who wouldn't? Everybody yeah. would. I think it's yeah. I think it's yeah. You have a better chance of of building building a a, a solid foundational roster and program. I think with with that way, because then you can integrate them in better with your high school recruiting classes. Correct, but. Like, you know the, your direction a little bit better at that point if you – but guess what, Dave? Now, multi-year guys are yours. Mm -hmm. 
Like, if they don't want to go, they ain't going. So, at least at this point. Well, unless, unless somehow you're, you're Ryan Coe, who I noticed is now transferring for a third time. He, I mean, he could be a grad transfer, though. So, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're smart, you can transfer twice. You transfer once at some point in time. Yeah. And then once you graduate, you transfer again and get that final one-year bag. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot else more on the portal. No, an hour on the mean, portal. There's been there's been, you know, from the people that especially you know, I think I think the some of the national guys from 24-7 have have done some nice articles. I've tried to retweet them or post them just about, you know, talking to some anonymous, you know, not, you know, anonymous coaches and staffers, like they're expecting it to be pretty nuts. Like there's been a lot of talk about there's going to be some surprising big names. I mean, I think, you know, there's already been that case with some of the quarterbacks. Who, well, here's my thing, Dave. Well, if you're not like, but, but again, once, once you kind of, if you're, if you care to dig in, you kind of start, hearing some things and maybe it's not as surprising but when you see that tweet come up and i'll just use will howard at kansas state for an example it's like me sitting here in cincinnati ohio i know that they have a very talented young quarterback that they i'm sure would love to get on the field but i did not think that that was going to be will howard transferring to make that happen right um the other the, the the interesting thing on quarterback is I think the more big name quarterbacks that go in, the better it is for UC. Absolutely. I want all the quarterbacks in the portal. Yeah. All of them. Like everybody, just put your name everybody in, the in the pool. See who's interested in you. Like, yes, absolutely. I mean, that's, but that's the way I want it at every position that they need. Yeah, but quarterback, especially. Like, right. Cause you, cause you only need one. And so, that's where the most NIL money is. So my point being, these schools with giant budgets that need a quarterback uh, are going to spend on different guys. Guys yeah, like that you the, the see rumor, is probably not going to get one way or the other. The rumor coming out of the Pacific Arkansas. Northwest that Cam Ward uh, is being offered a million dollars. I'm like, did, did these teams watch any Washington State games this year? <laughs> um, uh, KJ Jefferson's going to make a lot of money in the portal somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's Starkville, Mississippi. Mark, book that one. If he, if, he, if he enters the portal. Yeah. And then uh, Riley Leonard from Duke. Uh, that Notre, uh, apparently, Notre I don't, or Notre, Yeah. Apparently, uh, they just, you know, th- that one somehow got got very far down the road in like eight minutes this afternoon. Yeah, so I was on the radio. Do not contact on his por- on his uh, portal release, yeah. and which means, which always means they already know what they're doing. Yes. Like, don't. Call me, I won't call you. Um, just you know, but yeah, with it, like I was, I was doing radio. I was during one commercial break. Riley Leonard was going into the portal, and on the next commercial break, when I went back to Twitter, uh, there were crystal balls being put in for Notre Dame. Yeah, that must have been an off. I mean, I know Marcus is is fantastic and it's great. You know, well, working I mean, the phone. This this but. shit ain't hard. You just have Sam Hartman <laughs> get a hold of the guy. You run yeah. it. You run it all through your players, right? I know. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. oh, I know. It's just funny. Like the the portal isn't even open yet, but right. this guy already knows where he's going. 
yeah, this guy is is going in on the fourth, and uh, everybody already but knows. To be what, fair, to be fair, he's a a, a very good player, and yes, I'm absolutely. sure I'm sure he could just be like looking at places that need a quarterback, and he could just go, "I'm coming there," and they'd be like, "Okay, that sounds good." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, there's not a lot of uh, whining and dining in in portals portal season. It's pretty cut. No, dry. no, it's it's speed dating with a lot of like, uh, you know. But that I mean, but that again is the benefit. Like what I just said with that whole timeline, like it's still speed dating, but you at least have the opportunity to know much more about. Like that's on you. If well, you, if, last you year, a, if you make a bad call on the dude at this point, like it's that's on you. Like you should yeah. be able to at least have a much much better understanding of can this guy play or B is this the type of guy we want in our program? Right. Like I know you know Keegan and I were were digging on a name. A couple text messages later, made it pretty clear. Probably not a guy you want in your locker room. Um. I'd still go after him. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> of course you would. You don't have to deal with it. Um, it's eHarmony for recruiting. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Uh, hi, Adele. Thanks for watching again. Uh, we don't know that the portal, that the, the, the schedule is going to be tougher next year. We thought the schedule was going to be one thing this year. And by the end of the year, it's a totally different thing. Like, if you go back and look where the projected finish in the Big 12 was and what we were talking about and where teams actually finished in the Big 12, um, those numbers are drastically different than were anticipated in the preseason. Well, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State was picked to finish middle of the pack. They're in the championship game. West yep. Virginia was picked to finish dead last. They went eight and four. Yep. Uh, Iowa State was picked to finish not probably very many spots ahead of UC. They had a, a strong year. Um, so, yeah. Kansas was good. Well, I mean, we, I figured, Can we figured Kansas would I know. be pretty good. Baylor was worse than I think most people thought. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Houston, BYU, UCF were kind of exactly I think, what people thought. What yeah. people thought. So, but I mean, but that is the thing is like two things that we were hopeful for this schedule that we talked probably, you know, a lot about and really didn't have very many serious injuries. Yeah. And so next year you are playing one less home game in conference. Uh, we don't, again, we won't, it's very hard to say or pointless really to say about the schedule uh, because of the transfer portal and, and the, what the Big 12 shows itself to be year in and year out. But, like, you probably aren't going to have the same injury luck. That would, that would be pretty surprising to me if you go yeah. two years without, like, really any of your frontline guys outside of Sammy Anderson. Like, who missed significant time? Yeah, not really anything. So, yeah. All right. Uh I think that'll that'll wrap it up for the portal. Uh, Ty is watching at one and a half speed. Probably a good way to watch this podcast. 
Like the BDP, I imagine, would be a little harder in two point or one point five speed, right, Dave? Because that show there's it's a lot of talk and it goes fast. No, two times two times speed. Aaron goes two times speed. It's two and a this half sh- hours. Two times speed. <laughs> this show, I, I can't do that. Like I, I can't, you can't do two times speed. I can't do any like it's just normal. Like I can't listen to podcasts. Like I feel like it. It, it bothers me when I'm like, that's not how fast you actually talk. <laughs> you would have an idiosyncrasy like that. that Just like, no, I don't care if it's going to save me half the time. I'm not doing it. Well, I listen to him in my car. Like, it doesn't make the car ride go any faster. No, but you get more of the podcast done. Yeah. I just fast forward yeah. past the parts I don't care about. <laughs> Let's timestamp this timestamp brought to you by our very good friends at Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, 6% ABV. It's bourbon-infused sweet tea. They have cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, uh, lemonade tea, strawberry mint. Uh, They're up over 100 locations in Ohio. What you need to do is go to turtlesbrew.com. That'll give you all the information you need and... We'll find the location nearest you. A portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles, and they're in Toledo and expanding now in Central Ohio. All right, Dave. Let's talk a little. Let's talk a little shooty ball, a little shooty hoops. Uh, Cincinnati goes to Howard, as, as my wife calls the crosstown shootout, the crosstown shooter hoop. Okay. Mm-hmm. You get that on. Should we get that on a T-shirt? I think so. I think we crosstown shooter hoops. It was better than whatever that stupid thing that they named it. Uh, the two years it was at uh, downtown. The crosstown showdown. Yeah, I mean, you know what you need, Dave. When you get your turtles brew, by the way. What's that? Did you Did you see this last night? Where would I have seen that? Uh, I showed it on the uh, on the the. Nightcap that I guess you didn't watch. No. Um, so last night I was at the uh, I was at the watch party, and somebody from New Riff gave me gave me this award award rye, winning award winning. They make some. You see- I mean, I don't drink the stuff, but I've heard that they make uh, some some very high quality bourbons. You want to see the best part? What is the best part? Oh, it has. Is that like a? etched in yeah very cool right this has become this is the final four bottle football basketball next time you see is in the final four we'll open the bearcat journal bottle of a uh, new riff kentucky straight malted rye i hope you don't uh leave that to kelsey in your will me too <laughs> i hope you get your ticket I- but look it looks here's the problem it looks awesome i want to drink it tonight yeah i'm like i'm not a bourbon collector buy another bottle and try the actual in another bottle and leave that bottle unopened yeah but that bottle is cost money this bottle was free come on it tastes way better when it's free (laughs) right right i want to drink it but i'm not gonna I'm gonna save it. Ter- Terrence said we should take it on the uh on the bus to Kansas. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just met Turtle the other day. Great guy. I love that guy's story. What a great story that was on Turtle's Brew. He, he, wasn't, he couldn't drink beer anymore. He had to like, if he was going to consume alcohol, he had to come up with his own thing that his doctor would approve to be able to drink alcohol. That, so he came that's up with commitment. Turtles like if, if I was told, if my doctor told me like, David, you can't drink beer and wine anymore, I'd probably just be like, all right, I guess I'm not drinking beer and wine anymore. I don't think I would like try to figure out a way to keep drinking. <laughs> my no, doc. Uh, doc, I got this. I got this. <laughs> I got this. We will get to it. Just give me a second. Uh, I'll come back with my own product that I'm gonna I'm gonna have at a hundred stores across Ohio. Yeah. Uh, here here shortly. Oh, good stuff. Uh, I had somebody. You know what? Somebody asked me earlier, Dave. They asked me about this uh, this quarter zip that I got on. I, I, some people in the chat were asking about that as well. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah. People are people are curious about this quarter zip. You know, I got good. this quarter zip. I'm gonna guess you got it from our good friends at Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, go there uh, and get your your Christmas shopping done for your favorite UC fan. Um, your favorite UC podcasters. Yeah, I, I I mean I almost have the only thing I don't have is the bomber jacket. Really, I don't wear like I'm not a jacket. You know. Yeah. If I have a jacket on, it's because it's damn cold. Yeah, I'm a I'm a hoodie uh, guy. Yeah, like I'm like I'm not. Hey, it's you know, fifty four degrees out. Better, better get my bomber jacket. No, I'm just gonna throw a hoodie on or a quarter set, like this one. Homefieldapparel.com. Uh, I don't know. I you can try code BCJ twenty three. And see if that'll get you fifteen percent off. I don't know if that's that's back to active after the Black Friday sale, but I, I would assume it is. Uh, yeah. So that is our basketball segment uh, that we're getting to now. Brought to you by our good friends at Home Field Apparel, home of this pretty sweet quarter zip. Like I love that that you see. I love that branding. I got I got mine on too, actually. Oh, look at you guys, just little twinsies. Not really. He's got a crew neck. I got quarters in it. They're it's different. The same, it's the same logo. It's the same UC, but I do like his better because his has the, the, the red angry bearcat. Bear yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Angry Bearcat superior uh when it's over this logo. So yeah, it's the best of both worlds. Uh homefieldapparel.com. Uh, Dave, uh, first off, uh, how did you enjoy the broadcast last night? Well, I watched the first half with no volume (laughs) intentionally. And then I did not see the second half as I was doing some dad things. Uh, but, but tracking the game on the, uh, DraftKings app, because that updates faster than the stream does. (laughs) <laughs> or Yahoo or whatever typical sports app you use. So I actually knew what was happening before you guys knew what was happening, uh, that we're watching it. Uh, but, I, I mean, I really just want to start off by talking about the score bug. 
for those that don't know, the score bug is the technical term for like the graphic that shows the score. Um, I thought I was I thought I was losing my vision. The, the Bearcats last night were ranked twenty second. Oh yeah, we figured that out. What? Well, why they were ranked twenty second last night? Yeah. Why? Why were they? So they got two votes in the AP poll and two votes just, in the coaches poll. Like you're making that up. That's not actually why they. So 22. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our other theory, our other theory was that if Howard had won, they would have claimed that they beat the number 22 team in the country. <laughs> top 25 win, baby. Right. Uh, it's one of those. It's one of those two things. So I'm had, not positive which one, but it's one of the two. You had them being. 22nd you had capital c then all lowercase a natty where howard was in all uppercase letters <laughs> you had no idea how many fouls each team had committed you had no idea how many timeouts each team had like yeah. who puts that graphic together and goes do we have all the pertinent information yep we sure do no one goes no one says like hey guys you notice that like the fonts aren't the same or that there's no timeouts or uh, fouls sh showing up. Like, <laughs> like there, there were, so, there were so many juniors on this team. Victor, Victor Lakin jr. Was a, was a junior Dan Skillings jr. Of course, oh, not even to the announcers. Yet. John Newman jr. The there, there were so many juniors. The actual production, like that's an easy, like who's producing. No, it's that? not. So let's hold on. Let's well, be no, clear. It's, it's not because, it, you know, I know it's not, but. It was a student production from Howard. It is what they, they standardly do for Howard home games, which because they're in a low major conference are not on TV. Sure. So that, you know, Cincinnati had the game, like, like work to get the game put on ESPN plus because guess what would have happened if it stayed on Howard TV, Dave? Oh, we would have, we would have bombed their connection. Right. So 10,000 UC fans would have tried to watch the game and you would have crashed Howard TV and then nobody would have saw it. So they they got it on ESPN Plus, but ultimately it was a Howard student TV yeah. production. So and I, we can, and have, I some, say we can this, have a lot of fun with it and I joke around. And I say it all tongue in cheek. cheek. I know. They're I know. doing they're doing the best like they're doing the best they can with what they have. I wanted more. At, I their, wanted... Disp at their disposal, you know. Um, yeah, obviously some of the cam camera angles were hilarious. Like, just the quick flip from the midcourt to at the, the most line. important times. Just the, it's such a, it was, it'd be such a quick flip. And then you wouldn't be able to, you'd have no idea where the ball was. They'd go to yeah. the baseline camera, but you couldn't, you had no clue if the ball was any, like, it was. So only watching the first half was was probably, you know, not exactly no. the worst thing that happened. Well, what would have happened, Dave? The game would have got close and you'd have been frustrated as hell. And they like they you know what happened on the, the three pointer to tie, right? In regulation. I mean, I've I've kind of since seen it. Like So here's what here's what I like it, it working in that business and at times working with like students that were like helping us with games when we were doing Northern Kentucky high school games and stuff. The kid was watching the game. Oh yeah. Because the ball was inbounded and Howard got it straight down the floor and the camera didn't move from the inbounds. So the kid 
was just watching. Like, he, he's probably a fan, right? Goes to Howard, probably caught up in the moment. The ball races down the court, and his head turns with it, and his hand didn't move the camera. Uh, with it. And the camera just stayed. And then he was like, oh, shit. And, like, completely raced way, it down way, the floor. Way past the ball. Like, over passing. And then it had to come back. By the time it came back, you're like, where is the ball? What is the hell is happening? Yeah. Bang. Three. Uh, we're going to overtime. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I mean, seemed like – I mean, what – I'm sure we're like we are not the only program that this has happened to, but like, how does every year we get at least one? You know, obviously the I won't even call it infamous. It is famous Bowling Green game. I heard you on the radio today. Are you kidding me? Taryn was on that team. I know. We were talking about it before we went on the air. And somebody said something, and I was like, the only game that, that would ever top what happened last night was the Bowling Green game. And Taryn, I didn't know he went to Bowling Green. He looked at me like, Bowling, what are you talking about? And I was like, Bowling Green. Like, you've never heard that, like, it was a student broadcast game, and Jess was on the sidelines, and he was like, I was there. And I was like, what year was it? He was like, what year was it? And I was like, I, like 14, 15, somewhere in there? He's like, yeah, I was a walk-on on a basketball team. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. No way. For, for Hall of Famer Louis Orr. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, I mean, you had that game. You had, obviously, you had the NKU game. You had the Tulane game. The Tulane uh, one was probably actually the worst. Th that one was just infuri actually infuriating. Like, Yes. The The – the NKU game was funny because it didn't actually interrupt you watching the game. It was just right. you couldn't hear, you like, you know, couldn't listen to. There was no audio. Um, but yeah, the two lane game was actually was actually terrible. And then you have last night's game, which was more more funny than than just than bad. Right. That was the that was the endearing thing about the Bowling Green game. Was it was funny? Like it wasn't. It, yeah, it didn't. It didn't make the viewing experience, you know, bad. Bad, right, right. Uh, the game itself, they did not play particularly well. I didn't think they played bad, but I didn't think they played well. And I thought Howard played probably at the top of their scouting chart. Yeah. Um, and. When a team is trying to do that, and Howard's philosophy was hold the ball, like run deliberate offense, and then at the end of the shot clock, take a shot. And they made way too many of them. Some of them contested, which you just tip your cap. Some of them not, which you have to figure out defensively uh, what you're doing. But yeah. they used five guards. They made it hard for, for UC to play big. Um, with what they were doing offensively. I thought they were well coached. Uh, yeah, I was I impressed by Howard. Especially the second half. It's it's hard to say, you know, we gave up, I think we got 29 points in the first half and they had 40 with eight minutes to go in the second half. And it's hard to say that that was all because they made hard shots. 
No, I, I'm not saying it's just because they made. Oh, I know. I know you're not. I mean, I'm, that's why I'm saying like the defense was yeah. not nearly good enough. Um, yes, they made hard shots and they shot a much higher percentage than really anybody has against UC uh, from three this year. But you know that there were also I, I did see some bits you know later on after the fact where it was like that's just too that's just too easy. You know, guys are right. coming and getting offensive rebounds. Guys are stepping into mid-range jumpers, like stuff like that. Yes. Agreed completely. completely. I did, uh, my main thing I wanted to ask you about, and it, it's okay. about the end of regulation and how – They wanted to foul. They, they did wanted to, Okay, here's here's my question. And I, I've listened to Wes, and I understand Wes, because that is usually the answer that 99.5% of coaches say, is that I didn't want to call timeout because I did not want to give them the opportunity to set up a play. Yeah. My thinking has always been, you are winning. Wouldn't it benefit you more to make sh- to call timeout and make sure that your players are all on the same page with exactly what we want to do and in the right positions and all understanding that this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to do it. Isn't that more important than say letting them drop a play because you're the better team. You're still winning. I would just think that you would prefer to make sure that your guys know exactly what to do versus worrying necessarily about them being able to draw up some magnificent play and then actually being able to execute it. So I think he answered your question uh, last night in the post game, and admitted probably should have called the timeout. But he said he alerted everybody what defense they were in, like during the free throws, because you're at the free throw line, you yeah. have a chance to like let everybody know. Right. It's not and, like and you're in a scrim, like you made a basket and someone's at half court when you need them right. to be, you know, at the foul line or something. You're you're right. in more of a standard position. Everybody is is not all over the place. And I also think there was what eight seconds left? Uh 4.7, I think. Well, was that or was that at the end of the game when they were inbounding it and they threw the ball away? I don't know. Yeah, something like under 10 seconds. Yeah. You don't want to foul up three with five seconds on the clock. So that does create some hesitation that's different in a situation where there's three seconds on the clock. And as soon as it's inbounded, like you foul. Um, But Dan was not on pounds like he should have been. And then you get in that doubt situation where they don't want to foul while the guy is shooting the three, because then you give them three free throws to tie it. Like you want to make them take the the 24 footer or whatever. So I think it's hard to say definitively. Like I think it's situation to situation. And I think in that situation, Wes genuinely listening to his answer, genuinely felt like it was communicated to his team because I've seen practice. They work on these late game situations every day. Yeah, every day they were, you know, they they worked on fouling up three like the day before in practice, like I guarantee it. 
Like they, it's something that they do regularly. So if they, if everybody knows the defense, we're in this version of the defense. If he misses, we're in this version of the defense. If he makes, I think you feel pretty good that you don't have to call a timeout. In retrospect, even he said you probably should call the timeout. <laughs> I mean, and and that's. I mean, you know, that's typically what coaches say. Like, I didn't want to give them the opportunity. I've always just been like, I'd rather make sure 100% that my guys know exactly what we're doing and where I need them to be on the floor and and all of that. I'd be less worried about the other team and more wanting to make sure my my guys are, are all in line. Sure, but I mean, again, if you're the coach and you feel like okay, it's communicated, yeah, then we're right. on the there, same page. There, there, then it's, there has to be some level of, you know, I did all I can do. You know, right? They've got to go out and do it. <laughs> like what I'm saying is, if you're standing there on the sidelines and you're like, no, do I, I take I this agree, time out or it's not? Like, it's like, guys, you know, in this particular instance, Dan, who the fuck did you think they were going to get the ball to? Right. So right. if you're just face guarding him wherever he goes, and then they still try to do it, then and the guy then he makes the three, then so be it. But like, right? You you I mean he had a step in, not very. I mean, it wasn't like it was a thirty-five footer. So no, he had like, a clean, pretty good look. Clearly, the defense given was the, not given the time and situation. He had a pretty damn good look. Yeah. So like, you had a twenty-six-year-old should. Probably, you know, taking my chances with anybody else shooting the ball at that point in time. Yeah. So, yes, I'm my point is taken, but you're also right. And, like, hey, you know, who, like, I'm pretty sure he told him, like, guess who's going to get the ball? And you still let him get the ball. Well, in situational awareness, you kind of should know the guy with 20 plus points. Uh, is going to have every opportunity to take the shot. They're probably going to try to get him the last shot. <laughs> yeah, and like at at all costs, they're going to they're going to you know, do what they you can. Win, you end up getting the win. You you know you a team that has not really been that great at the line made all the free throws they needed to you know needed to make, and they were they were all critical. And um, you know, I think it got it certainly got a little hairy there when you go up seven in the second half and then in what felt like an instant you give up a 10-0 run yeah and now you're you know you what down five at one point even uh, yeah i think i think west did talk about that too and said maybe i like you know they were slowing it down like we talked about they were running their offense they were being deliberate you know, maybe i did a little too much trying to get my team to pick up the pace and sometimes that's what happens if it doesn't if it doesn't work. You can give up a 10-0 run real quick if you're trying to force the tempo. If you're not taking what's coming to you and you're trying to make something happen, sometimes it goes really well and, and you break them and you're up seven and you start playing fast and now you're up 15 and the game's over. But instead, they're up seven. They went a little too fast. And in a blank, you're down five. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, I think too in the, in this particular case, probably it probably may you know hurt them defensively because it kind of just allowed 
feel like it allowed them to kind of stay in that groove yeah. of 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 more of a free flowing thing. Whereas, you know, if you kind of slowed it down a little bit and and really sat down, because like they had no answer for UC in the half court when no. UC got the ball inside or Dan took it on the bounce. So like if you just slowed it down a little bit, sat down and locked them up for even two or three possessions. They weren't. <laughs> right, that's, what, that's what I mean. Like, because it kind of got into that, even yeah. though they wanted, you know, Howard wanted to play slow, they were still able to kind of freely get into their stuff because UC sure, was right. hell bent on playing fast. And when you play fast like that, it's, it's harder to, I think you it's harder. Mistakes. To, right to really sit down and guard and because you're because mentally you're like we need to go score because they're scoring right so well I will give them credit like after the the 12 run uh Howard was still very very efficient and effective on offense and I thought there was a little stretch there where it was important that Cincinnati traded punches yeah because that could have been if you know if they don't get six points in that stretch and go six to six, like then all of a sudden Howard's up eight, nine with five minutes left. And then you're, then you're really in trouble. So their ability to trade punches and then Jizzle had that spurt that Jizzle had in the second half. I damn it. Don't clip that. Um, (laughs) Nothing. Oh, um, People are going to catch on in a minute. What I just said. Um, if you if you don't trade punches for a few possessions there, then that twelve zero run becomes a seventeen zero run. Um, so I did think they settled down and didn't let it get like like bad because yeah they were down five, but then almost instantly uh, they they tied it back up and then kind of played from at least a little bit in front where they, you know, they hit two free throws. You know, if they miss one of those free throws, that Seth down shot is for the win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so uh, anything else you got? No, I think it's, you know, it's, you know, you always say you can, you know, I just think it's good from a, they had some pretty, you know, they've been in a pretty good groove recently and had some pretty oh, they were killing teams. Pretty easy wins. And I think it's it's good to kind of um I won't I won't even go I'm not gonna go as far as say like a wake up call because it wasn't like they were, you know, breezing by teams not playing well. They were playing well, but but it's it's good to get in games when there's ten minutes to go and you're down four. Like I, you need to see how guys are going to handle those situations. Like, you don't, I don't think you learn a ton about your team necessarily when you're up 30 with, you know, eight minutes to go in the game. And, and everybody's thinking about getting the, the reserves in and where we're going to go after the game. You know, I, I want to see who, who steps up, who handles pressure like that. So it was good. Yeah, I mean, kind of here's the other thing that that right now at this time of the year, Dave, you're going to get in one of these games. Like, if you're scheduling right, 
you're scheduling a team like Howard that's that's got good players and is predicted to win their conference and and have a very very good season. And when you get in those games, find a way to win. You know, I mean, yeah, the, I mean the, they were a tournament team last year and they added Seth yeah. Towns. Right. Find a way to win. And they in the in the past couple years as we've dealt with all this uh, evolution, shall we say, uh, in the basketball program, uh, that was a game that they would lose. Uh, yeah, because I don't think they had last year. They didn't have a roster that could have stemmed, like could could have, like you said, traded baskets. Yeah, I mean, well, it was they came and down kept to what themselves in kept themselves close enough to where okay at some point we feel we're gonna we're just gonna you know out weather the storm so to speak um you know they didn't have that type of a roster last year it's it was dave and landers and if they got hot they could carry you and if not you were in big trouble and really i mean i don't think there was any like dan played the best game i think vic you know vic had a an an excellent uh, overtime period and was, was efficient and, and quality throughout the game, but it never felt like, like they didn't have anybody that played like Seth Towns did yesterday. No, but you have five guys in double figures and John Newman made some plays when he had to um, day day made plays when he had to CMOS made a couple, you know, they, they made three threes, but CMOS made two of them. Uh, both of them had pretty big points uh, in the game. So yeah, it's it's having having more bullets in the gun. It's a right. good thing. It's a good thing. Um, the point guards didn't. I mean, outside of Jizzle at the end, the point guards didn't play well. I thought Dayday had, and he probably admit to this, probably his worst game so far. But again, that's, um, I want to see what everybody else does when they struggle. Yeah, right. Like, I want. Like I said, I, I, you know, it's great that Day Day has been playing really well because that was a question coming into the season. But like, I want to see how the team responds when you want to see when a key guy is not playing well and the other team is playing. Like, it's one thing for Day Day to not play well when we're beating somebody Eastern by Washington by twenty five. Like, it, right. it doesn't it doesn't register. It doesn't have any effect on the game. I want to see what happens when. You shoot three for whatever from three, and your point guard doesn't play well. I want to see how the other guys handle that. And you want to see a game or two from now how Day Day handles it. Right. Like, like does it become a slump or is it a one? Or is it thing? the catalyst to having a great crosstown shootout that helps lead Cincinnati to a win? I mean, do you think he just had an off game, or were there things in his game yeah, that you felt like he was out of out of character of what we had seen so far? I I, I didn't think he was aggressive. I thought he was I thought he was dribbling to pass, um, which isn't really like his like that's yes he can like pass on the move, but he was dribbling like waiting for guys to get open instead of causing the defense to react to his dribbling. Right. Right. Like the reason he's been so effective 
is he can get to the rim. He can stop and pull up. He can hit, a, you know, uh, a cutter across the baseline, like if Dan's making a baseline cut. But, like, he I, he was just kind of there, like, dribbling. Like, not, not necessarily there. Like, I think he was he was trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? But that's not what makes him effective. Dribbling just to dribble is not, like, what have we talked about about this offense? It's going to be effective the more the ball moves via the pass. Yeah. And if one guy is dribbling it, the defense doesn't have to move a whole lot um, in reality. Yeah, or if you're going to do that, be assertive and take it all the way to the rim. Or and, pull up and hit your little and deal pull with up the or whatever. Just deal with, you know, you get fouled, you miss, you make whatever. But don't just, like, don't be, you know, in between where you're really not right. accomplishing. You're not making the defense really do anything. Right. You're dribbling through defenders like they were cones. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do that. That's not uh that's not the 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 way to get things done. So yeah, I mean other than that, you know. Hey, they are on- they are one of twenty two remaining undefeated teams in Division One basketball. Six of them in the Big Twelve. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> I I don't know. I still don't. And think one of ready. those six is not Kansas. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know that we're ready for what's about to happen starting in January. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. It, it takes me back to... Um, it's going to be a lot of people you, buying Turtles Brew and <laughs> it's gonna, you're going to need one. Cincy Light, one of these. Um, I, it takes me back to uh, UC had just played Miami at Millette Hall. And Charlie Coles, it was one of the last, it might have been the last game against UC that that Charlie Coles coached. Um, just some, like if you can, like if you could pay, to, I, they should have sold tickets. Forget selling tickets to the game. They should have sold tickets to Charlie Coles' press conference. Oh, yeah. And I think that was like 2012, yeah, like Big that. East, 2011, 2012, Big East. And somebody asked him, like, you played UC and Xavier. Like, who's better? And he was like, I don't, like, in the Big East, it's just everybody standing in the street with guns, and they're just shooting at each other. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you hope you end up on the winning end more than than losing, but, like, there's going to be some L's. Even the L's, though, like, hey, the L's, I'd re- give me the tw- give me like a we just didn't have it tonight. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. then a whole bunch of like L's where you know close games whether it's wins or losses like where it comes down to the last couple minutes. I mean I don't think we're ready. For, like I'm not ready to just be up for two hours post game because I can't go to sleep. <laughs> it's gonna happen. If this team's gonna be a, good, that's how it's gonna Wednesday, happen, Dave. On a Thursday night at you know eleven thirty at night. Yeah, nine p.m. tip. Uh, game ends at eleven ten. Uh, it was a nail biter, and now it's one a.m. and you're still on your iPad. Yeah, hey, our, our post our post game hits are going to be good. You guys have been awesome uh, on the post game live shows. My goodness, my goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, any anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to get to tonight? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't think so. I think we 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 have uh, we think we've do, do, dove into the the two main topics, and there'll be obviously plenty more on both oh, of them. We didn't talk about the Kansas game. How was that? What? How Kansas was that game? five days ago? How was that oh, five days days I ago? Literally, have not thought about it since then. <laughs> I mean, how was that this week? I did I said, a like podcast about it Sunday morning, and then it has not crossed my mind since exactly until you said that word right now. <laughs> I just think it's funny that that literally that that game feels like two three weeks ago already. That like everything happens so fast in this world now that the season ends and that's what I, like they're they're copying the NFL format essentially right oh i do have a funny thing that i want to bring up okay it's not related to uc but it's related to college football michigan okay. iowa this weekend yes did Barber. you did you see what iowa's first half point spread was uh I believe, did I see this properly, that it was 0.5? Well, I mean, you could get it at any any number, but 0.5 points over under yeah. was plus 130. That's so amazing. it was even freaking money yeah. to bet, which, I mean, in a normal situation, plus or Point five would be minus a million because what team are you really going to bet? Just not you. The not odds score. are they're not going to score. So yeah, so you bet a hundred bucks on the over <laughs> to score one point in the first half, and it's even money. So I guess that begs the question: Are you going to bet the under? I already, I already bet Michigan. They're only given twenty-two. I don't are think you I will bet I don't the think, under. I don't think I will cross midfield. So you're you're taking zero. I would. I mean, if I was, I I was thinking about. But see, the under is minus money. Like you're losing money to bet the under. That's how. That's how bad it is. Right. I know, so I but I no, want to no, know: bad, Are you betting for bet. them not to score? Right, but it's a bad bet to okay. bet the under. But it's but just if you hilarious. Think it's going to win. Yeah, but it's still a bad bet. The, the Do you funny think it's going to win? Yes. Oh, they're not That's scoring. how you determine whether or not you bet the over yeah. is if you think the under is going to win. Yeah, they, they're not. I would be stunned if they score a point in that game. I mean, they barely scored a point against terrible Nebraska. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, a, a normal Dave... team. No, go sorry. Ahead. No. No, go ahead. I, I, just, gonna... I just thought it was hilarious that, like, a normal team, just the, the spread – you know, to score one point in the first half would probably be like minus 10,000. Right. And theirs is plus 130. <laughs> Even an offense as bad as Cincinnati, like it's 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 legendary how bad this Iowa offense is. And They averaged, they went 10 and 2. They are a, I think, a very questionable fair catch violation yeah. against Minnesota. 11 and 1. 11 and 1. They averaged... 18 point something points a game and had the worst offense in college football. They averaged under 250 yards of total offense. 
and they are in the Big Ten championship game. <laughs> is their defense that good? Their defense is really good. Their special teams are really good, but they're off like they're all, historically I mean, not, bad. Yes. Uh, is Sage the 2023 version of Biggie McLean? Seemingly a lot of potential and tall at the outset, but uh, slowish to develop. We always knew Sage physically was going to take time. Like, he's just not a thick, strong kid yet. So, at this level, he's got work to do to get there. The good news is the kid works hard. Like, he's about the right things. Um so we'll see, but just, I mean, he's skilled. He does have good height, but it's hard when, you know, somebody tries to root you out on a, on a rebound or uh, you're trying to hold position, guarding somebody in the post and, and you can't, you know, you can't physically hold your own. It's, it's difficult. Um, I like, you know, long-term potential. And the good news is though, Dave, as long as Sage is patient, he's now going to get time to develop. Yeah. Because there's you got a couple big guys ahead of you that are are pretty good. And you're going to get to learn from them and work with them every day. So hopefully it's a case of like, yes, he needed some time. But by year three or year four, we're like, damn, I'm glad, glad they were patient with that one because it's paying off. Well, and I mean – you're going to be more patient with a guy his size, especially going into the Big 12. I mean, we've watched you, and I'm sure you've watched a lot. I've watched more than I have in previous years of like this time of year basketball. Like, you know, you're you're going to need guys like that moving forward. It's you know, there's some there's some dudes on the on these rosters that. You're not just going to get away with one or two guys like that. You're going to need, yeah. you know, Houston's going to have them. BYU, or Baylor's certainly going to have them. You know, Kansas has their, you know, everybody does really. Yeah. That, it, it, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting January, February, and March. I'll tell you that. But all right. The uh, one final Turtles Brew time stamp. I know where it is now. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, bourbon-infused sweet tea. Uh, they have cherry lime, lemonade tea, raspberry peach, strawberry vanilla, orange vanilla. There's over 100 locations in Ohio. Uh, visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and where you can pick it up. A portion of the proceeds go to save the sea turtles. They're in uh, Cincinnati, Central Ohio, Toledo, uh, pretty much expanding everywhere throughout the state. Again, turtlesbrew.com. All right. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody for uh, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next Wednesday right here on the BCJ Podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail on BearcatJournal.com.